Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Arsecast. Hello, fuck, I got that completely wrong. Hello, all right. Uh, I should just keep going, shouldn't I? While you're laughing at me. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Fuck you guys. <laughs> and the, the uh, Europa League plays havoc with the uh, Arscast schedule, the Friday Arscast schedule, because the games are on on a Thursday. So recording that I'd normally do on a Thursday uh, has to wait until after the game, because otherwise it would be out of date. Uh, and uh, it, it takes on a slightly different format. So with me to discuss the uh, enthralling, thrilling 3-0 win over Ostersund, I'm joined by Andrew Allen. Hello. Good evening. Um, and also by Tim from 7 a.m. kickoff. Hi, Tim. Hello, everyone. Let's start uh, with the positives, uh, Tim, because, you know, it's been a it's been a difficult period. We've uh, gone into this game off the back of a defeat in the North London Derby. And, well, we've had three positives. Three things have happened to Arsenal tonight against Ostersund that haven't happened for quite some time. Um, we'll go through them one by one. First, an away win. I think we can be grateful for uh, that. Yes. Yeah. Did I lose you? No, you didn't. This is a. This oh. is a. This is going so badly wrong. But let's let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing because it was an away win, and I'm I'm like, yep, that's that's that. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Okay, so that's as much as you've got to say about that, Andrew. <laughs> 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 this is this is going to be the shortest Irish cast of all time, I promise you. Thanks, everybody. Time to go. All right. It's been a pleasure, guys. Um, <laughs> Andrew, uh, an away win. I mean, before the game, people were, I guess, a little bit worried simply because our away form had been so bad, despite the fact that we were playing a team which, you know, on paper really should be no match for Arsenal, regardless of how poor our form is. Yeah, I mean, but that said, I mean, I was still, still slightly nervous given the way that we played against Nottingham Forest back in January. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was definitely nice to win. I mean, it was still sort of somewhat ridiculous that we managed to sort of, well, I think you're coming to it, but give away a penalty in stoppage time and just sort of make it slightly more interesting for everyone given that the game was being played at walking pace by that point. Yeah, it really was. It was, uh, some people might say it was like a, a training game or a preseason game, but once the third goal went in, I think there was almost uh, Tim an acceptance on on the part of both teams and all sets of players are like this game is finished we know what's going to happen here we know what the result is let's just kind of kick the ball around a bit yeah there was it was it was it was a good fun but it was up until that point it was a good fun game wasn't it did you think so open um 
that's the kind of football game that I think that a lot of us want to see. I mean, that's at least what I kind of sign up for is a back and forth game. You know, it's not nobody's getting hurt, but, you know, but they're passing the ball around, making nice passes, creating great shots for each other. And, and mm. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch, actually. Do, I mean, obviously, the Tim staying with you, the first 20 minutes or so, they played like they were facing um, Brazil at their peak they they were a bit yeah. inhibited weren't they 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 sat deep and they defended and then despite the fact they were 2-0 down they kind of realized uh we don't actually need to be this cautious against this arsenal team particularly when they weren't necessarily going hell for leather yeah it's just some quick stats arsenal had 271 passes in those first 21 minutes and Osterson only had 69 passes or you could say 300 touches to 110 touches. Right. That's how much that they just literally just sat back. They weren't even trying to tackle. They weren't pressing to try to take the ball away. At one point, I joked that Arsenal had 11 guys in in the Osterson half because Ospina had come like three quarters of the way out <laughs> of the goal to to clear a ball. It's it was it was quite incredible. It was it was clear that they were nervous or something. Because then, after 20 minutes, they turn around and they start pressing. They start playing higher up the pitch. And it suddenly transformed into this kind of, like I said, a, a, a bit of an engaging contest. A lot more a lot more interesting from my perspective, maybe because we had already taken a two-goal lead. But, but yeah, that was, a, that was such a weird start to a game. I don't think I've ever seen a team play that kind of rope, play that kind of park the bus for 20 minutes and then go, oh, yeah, you know, we can pass the ball. <laughs> Yeah. And suddenly turn it around, you know? Yeah, Andrew. I mean, they had a couple of players who were, were decent enough on the ball. I mean, I think there's always the element, isn't there, when a team comes back into it, you think, oh, Arsenal, you've taken your foot off the gas completely. And I don't know, you know, you talk about a team not getting out of second gear. Um, is there a gear below first gear? Neutral, obviously. <laughs> uh, can you take your foot off the gas when you don't have your foot on the gas in the first place? I guess so. If you're on a hill, I guess you just roll down it. Don't you? <laughs> That's what we did. We rolled backwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're we're an interesting side. I mean, look. To be fair to them, obviously, it's effectively their pre-season, isn't it? They haven't really played in a mm. while. Um, they they didn't quite look like they were able to cope with the you know Arsenal coming out and playing at a relatively high tempo. Weirdly, I mean, it, it looks as though those artificial pitches actually suit us quite nicely because it's 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 like a training situation where we just sort of pass the ball around in little triangles and stuff. Um, as for them, I mean, I, the the Godos fella, the guy who had a couple of shots just before half time, he looked quite useful. Mm. Um, I'd imagine that you know there'll be some sort of bigger clubs around Europe looking at him and the way that he played. Um, all in all, I thought it was quite controlled. I mean, it was it was actually pleasant to watch because, as I said before, like I I've, I do fear with this Arsenal team. I mean, if they'd come out and kind of really gone for it, you never know what happens with us because we seem to sort of collapse a little bit. Mm. If anything, they played a bit like we do when they go down. You know, they go 2-0 down and suddenly realise that actually they haven't got anything to lose. They might as well go for it. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. There was a sort of combination of, of, of them kind of showing that kind of gung ho mentality a little bit more, and and us getting a bit sloppy. Really, we weren't we weren't really great for large periods of the game. I mean, nice enough, but controlled. Yeah, yeah. We I guess we, the reason we didn't get out of neutral was because we didn't really have to. I think the golfing quality was there, and it was apparent. 
um, to them and it was apparent to us and it was apparent to the Arsenal players who, you know, you, you, you looked at players like Ozil and Mkhitaryan who are experienced players who were going, is this really a game I'm going to waste a huge amount of energy on? I don't think it is. I'll do what I've got to do, but like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run around. Like Iwobi at least was running around and looking and going, oh shit, nobody else is bothered to come anywhere near me. But the other two things, um, the other two positives, things we haven't seen in recent times, were uh, a clean sheet and a penalty save. A penalty save. Yes. And it, it, Tim, <laughs> if David Ospina did not get straight back to the dressing room and onto his mobile phone and texting Peter Cech going, see that bitch? See that? <laughs> I mean, he's missed a huge opportunity there. Yeah. I, that was, uh, it's funny because, it's funny because Bellerin has that, um, that, that in his locker, it seems like every, every game I watch, he has, he gives away one of those tackles where you're just, heart heart and heart and throat whatever however you want to say it mm. it's always seems like he's riding the edge of giving away a penalty um and uh yeah he 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 did it again today and then and then you know <laughs> Ospina the one guy that I think I think a lot of fans wouldn't have expected to save the penalty did exactly what Petr Cech has not done I was actually going to take a look at that I want to take a look at Petr Cech's penalty saves and see which way he's been diving and then compare it to whether he's just diving to the one side all the time that that he thinks the guy's always going to go to. In other words, like, is there some kind of correlation between the stats of the penalty takers where they're where they normally shoot and which mm. side he's diving? I think so, he's. I think there's been some variety certainly in the way that he's dived um, over over the, this period. I mean, there was an amazing stat. Tim Stillman put it up this evening after the game. He says, it's the first time an Arsenal goalkeeper has saved a penalty since March 2014, not including penalty <laughs> shootouts. Wow. That's four years, practically. That's mad, isn't it? It is mad. And when you consider the amount of penalties that we've had oh. given against us, in the last two seasons in particular, we've conceded a huge amount of penalties. I can't, I, I can't believe that stat. Is that, that must be all, comp, all competitions? Yeah. We haven't said, yeah, wow. I, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of a penalty save, and I can't, I can't think of one except for this one. Um, huh. I'm just saying, I'm going to have a look at the replies and see, does anybody say which one it was? Um, someone says Lehman versus Raquel May, but that was, that was a few years ago. <laughs> That's 12 um, years ago. Someone, someone called Danan on Twitter, who's at YCAX underscore Kuhn, just to give him a shout out, reckons it's Fabianski's save against Muller in the Champions League. Holy cow. Holy cow. I mean, that is some record, isn't it? But I mean, Czech must have been sitting there going, ha, at last, they'll see it's not so easy to save a penalty. Now we'll see. They take some of the lime. Oh God, he saved it. Fuck. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great, wasn't a great penalty, but no. you know, kudos to the save. Did you see that someone tweeted a picture of the guy who missed the penalty? It, uh, it turns out he might well be an Arsenal fan. There was a picture of him dressed in an Arsenal shirt, holding an Arsenal baby, well, a baby in an Arsenal shirt as well. I thought you were going to so. say an Arsenal baby, like Arsenal branded <laughs> Arsenal babies. Baby. <laughs> yeah. anyway. It's a new range of yeah. merchandise. So yeah, I mean he's uh, an inside man missing that penalty by the looks of things. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great penalty, but I, I think it should be pointed out that they could have had a penalty before Bellerin's one when Mustafi absolutely cleaned out one of their guys in yeah. the box. Um, do you reckon, Andrew, that Mustafi must have slipped the referee a tenner before the game and said, "Look, 
you know, go easy on me because there was that moment about six minutes into the game where we had, as Tim pointed out, we had everybody in their half basically, and they just kicked the ball down the uh, down the left uh, left hand side for their player. He went charging onto it. Mustafi came steaming across, did his usual thing of sliding along, going to ground, completely and utterly fouled the guy, and the referee gave a throw. <laughs> I mean, the, the look on the face of the the Osserson player when that happened was just priceless. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if that had been anywhere kind of further down the end of the pit, like down our area of the pitch, you it know, could it, have really been could off. Be, yeah. it could have been sending off. I mean, it was mad. I mean, in terms of slipping the ref something, I mean, slipping and sliding is exactly what Mustafi does, isn't it? I mean, he's he's not good for too much else. I mean, I've, I've regularly been harsh on Mustafi because I think he's always got a mistake in him. But... Um, you know, to be fair, clean sheet tonight, even though we tried to, you know, give away a goal at the end there. Um, yeah, God. I mean, you know, on, onwards and upwards. I think we could do with another confidence boosting clean sheet in the second leg, and then we'll see whether we can take on Manchester City and replicate that. Do we not have a game? Is it Manchester City after the next game? It is, isn't it? Yeah, the final. Yeah. 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 Ooh, boy. I was watching over here and. Um, <laughs> In America, we had Alexi Lalas, and I don't know if you guys remember Alexi Lalas. Yep, yep. He had a he had a great big goofy beard back in the nineties, and um, the Callum Chambers of his day. What's that? The Callum Chambers of his day. <laughs> his no, no, it was like a big long. No, I remember. Beard. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and and his commentary is basically like a big long pointy red beard. It's um, <laughs> he was he. You saw Mustafi dive into that tackle, and. I don't. I don't know whether Lalas thought he saw Mustafi win the ball and kick it off the guy's shins, or what he thought he saw. But he was like, "No, that's a good tackle for me." <laughs> and the, and I was just like, "Huh?" We. I saw it five or six times. I couldn't see the. I couldn't see Lalas win that. I mean, I couldn't see uh, Mustafi win that ball. I thought that was for sure a red card. I thought he was going to get sent off. Yeah, I think like, was- we've seen that. How many times have we seen that before? Where even if you win the ball in that position, we an Arsenal player gets sent off. We, yeah, we ha- we have seen it before, and there was definitely there was definitely no question in my mind that it was it was a foul by Mustafi, uh, one one that he was lucky to get away with. But it's always amazing to me how a commentator will take a position on an incident from viewing it in real time and then double down on it in uh, when he's seen the replays, despite the fact the that the evidence, yeah, the video might show something completely different. Um, so many of them just say, no, no, definitely a foul there. Definitely. But look, he didn't. T- it's strange. But anyway, I think I think Mustafi got uh, a little bit lucky there. Um, Can I just say something to Tim? Yes. Alexi Lalas had a trial at Arsenal during the 90s, um, during George Graham's era. And there's a really amazing bit in Paul Merson's book where he talks about having to look after him. And um, he said that uh, Alexi Lalas was actually a brilliant guitarist and a great lad, but Arsenal released him because he kept kicking people in practice games and George Graham wasn't having any of that. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Wow. (laughs) There's that, you know, famous story about Colo Toure kicking Arsene Wenger and getting a contract out of it. I mean, you know, how much of that is urban legend or not remains to be seen. But uh, wow, yeah. I would have thought George Graham was kind of into that. You know, if you could channel that aggression, or maybe you just saw, I've already got Martin Keown to do that for me, so... Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I don't need another one. Andrew, the um, the issue of the captaincy 
was one which uh, I think everybody was waiting all day to see who would be the Arsenal captain on the night because there was no uh, Lauren Koscielny, there was no Per Mertesacker, um, which was interesting. Did you did you think that was a bit of a surprise, the fact that Mertesacker wasn't in the squad? Because uh, I saw a picture of him in the training. He was in training and, you know, um, maybe he's been put out, put out to pasture at this point. I don't know. Yeah, there's a term that's been kind of used at my workplace for certain projects when they start going bad, and that's we're orphaning it or we're sunsetting it. It's very kind of, you know, marketing speak babble, but it does feel like we're doing that a bit with old pair. Um, I, I, I wasn't hugely surprised not to see him. I think, if anything, you know, we've got a few young lads there now with Holding and Chambers and the, the, the Greek lad Mavropanos or whatever. I think he might be tempted to sort of stick on the bench just for the experience of it at the moment. The Greek boy. Actually, the Greek lad, yeah. Um, as for the captaincy, I mean, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I don't know how seriously Arsenal ever really takes the captaincy. I mean, he once gave it to Galas for a whole season, didn't he? So, I mean, um, <laughs> that was a bit ridiculous. I would have, um, if it was, if I had a pick, I'd have given it to Monreal. You know, it just seemed like he'd have been a responsible leader on the pitch. But, you know, yeah. I guess Ospina has been inspired to make a penalty save off the back of it. So, you know, Arsenal knows sometimes. Great management there from from the boss. Without that, <laughs> without that ca- captain's armband, he never would have made the save. I mean, Tim, any issue with that, or does it does it matter at this point uh, who the captain is? If you don't have one of those figurehead types, if you don't have the the chest thumping leader in your team, like a Tony Adams, like a Steven Gerrard, like a pa- uh, Patrick Vieira or a, a, a Roy Keane, for example, a real natural captain. Does it really matter who you give it to? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm with I'm with Arsene Wenger on this one. I don't I don't I don't know. I, he he doesn't have any of those kinds of players on, in his team, and and he when he did. You could say perhaps maybe Alexis Sanchez was that kind of guy. Would you give him the captaincy? Mm. No, I mean, I think Sanchez was certainly more of a, I think he was a bit more individual. That that was hard yeah. to always escape the individualism of Sanchez, despite his, you know, his uh, lead by example on the pitch in terms of how he plays the game and tries to play the game. Yeah. So in this case, with this lineup, I can't see anybody who was a natural captain. Mm. You know, I mean, t- so many people were out. So many, so many first team players were out. Um, maybe give it to Ozil if you want to inspire him to be captain next year or something. Mm. I, I would. I think I, I would. I think if I was Nacho Manuel, I might feel a little, you know, aggrieved by you know a player who's been there for a while is really established as one of the senior players. You know, a great example on the pitch. Um, you know, I think a defender as captain is probably uh, is probably a good way to go with it. The keeper as captain is a, is a bit of a strange one for me. And Ospina, who's a, very much a fringe player, perhaps it was just maybe it's something he's you know promised him before he leaves. <laughs> I'll give you the captaincy yeah. for one game. Um, I mean, we must be getting close to a record for captains in one season because I'm pretty sure we've had Murtasaka, Koscielny, Czech, Walcott at one point. Was he? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, so 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 and now Wilshire, Ospina, Wilshire as well. So that's yeah. six. I mean, that you know, <laughs> we haven't even played that many games. Wenger's just trolling us all. He's trying to. He's been saying for years that captain doesn't matter. And he's just trying to prove it this year by giving it to as many people as possible, yeah, and then be go. like, yeah, see, it doesn't matter. He's going to give it to uh, Danny Welbeck in the in the return <laughs> leg. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's talk Welbeck a little bit, Andrew, because with Alexandra Lacazette. Out injured for a few weeks. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is cup tied. 
for the Europa League. He um, he can't play. So the door was very much open for Danny Welbeck to, to take a chance and to... I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's really going to change his position in the pecking order um, based on what he does against a team like Ostersunds. But... Um, he he could have made more of tonight if he'd if he'd been a bit more in form. Um, there was one moment, wasn't there? There was the I think it was set up by Iwobi. He loads of time to pick a spot, and he took it first time and hit it over the bar. And uh, I, I guess we talk about confidence in strikers. We talked about that with Lacazette over the last number of weeks. But you know, Welbeck looks a little bit off the pace. It would be fair to say. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously rusty. It was quite obvious. I mean, he spoke to BT Sport after the game as well, and he a couple of times referenced how hard the pitch was. And, I, and he even referenced, you know, a sort of, you hear stories about players who've been injured playing on hard pitches. And I think that was obviously on his mind, given that he's been so injury prone. And, you know, two of those injuries have been big knee injuries as well. So... Um, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I suspect he might, in a week's time, when we play Osterson again, like you know, he'd open his legs up a bit more and, and and probably show a bit more pace and a bit more gar when we're on home turf. But I mean, he has he has got a good opportunity in this competition to kind of make a bit of a name for himself because we really are down to the bare bones there. Mm. Um, Eddie and Ketia obviously is a nice prospect, but I really don't see Wenger starting him above Welbeck if, no. if he has the choice. Um, but you know, given that we've got the League Cup final on the horizon, Lacazette's going to miss that. It's fair to say that, you know, if Wenger decides he's going to make an attacking substitution, that Welbeck will be coming on. In it, you know, whether that's alongside Aubameyang or uh, you know, in in place of him. So he he needs to get up to form quickly. We need him. We do need him. Mm. Tim, thoughts on Welbeck and the circumstances of his comeback because he has been out injured since mid July or mid July, mid January, I should say. Um, First game back, first start back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I get that, but I think I just would have expected a little bit more from some of the positions that he got himself into tonight. Uh, some decisions that he made, uh, which I don't necessarily think are down to fitness. Yeah, there was there were definitely that <clears throat> a couple times that overlap with with uh, Iwobi was particularly frustrating for both him and for both Iwobi and for the and for the supporters. Mm. Um, also, he. Kind of, he kind of tried to get into positions to score, but then when the ball came to him, it did, it did come off him very quickly. Um, interestingly, the stats don't show that he had a bad game. Like he created three passes for, he created three shots for his teammates. Um, he passed the ball at ninety percent. You know that that's incredibly mm-hmm. good for a forward. You know he only had two turnovers. We're used to Alexis Sanchez, you know, constantly demanding the ball, turning the ball over all the time. You know, so statistically across the board, he looked like he did pretty well in this game. Took three shots, um, but it's all those things that you guys were talking about just a second ago. It's the things that he didn't do that maybe he should have done, mm. or the few times that he did, you know, did turn the ball over or wasn't able to control. Those those tend to stand out in the mind because I think it is partially because this is such a weak opponent at one point at one level because we were so all far on top of them in that first 20 minutes. And that was especially glaring for him in those first 20 minutes where he had several opportunities. And I think in it, my estimation of it was that I thought what he was trying to do was just trying to do too much. So instead of 
going with the flow of the game, passing it to Ozil, who I think was also upset with him one time. Mkhitaryan got upset with him one time, and and it will be twice. Instead of going with the flow, maybe passing the ball back, giving it back to one of those guys, um, he tried to take the ball on, tried to take on a um, a shot, tried to take on a dribble, mm-hmm. and, it, and it didn't come off for him. Passing more to his teammates, he did start creating more for his teammates. So I think that does bode well. De- like you said, we're definitely going to need him over the next two weeks because, um, you know, we just have Obama Yang and uh, and then from there it's just youth youth players, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is the backup for Obama Yang uh, in other competitions, uh, and even Ramsey and Ramsey, who's been great going forward this season, mm. he's out. Wenger Wenger was very unclear as to whether or not he's even going to be back for the Man City, the final. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a bit of a worry, isn't it, Andrew? Because I think you said to me the other day, it's the most Ramsey thing of all time is score a hat-trick and then get injured and miss who knows how long. I mean, that's the thing with Aaron Ramsey is you never quite know how long an injury is going to be. Yeah, I mean, as soon as it gets cold, his hamstrings pop. And then he always has knock-on injuries after the hamstring. Mm. And that, I, I mean, it's you, you look back to the to the first injury that he had you know the, the the leg snap and as with any player who goes through that you always feel like their bodies aren't quite what they were before or you know so who knows I don't know if it's anything linked with that the way the body overcompensates for weaknesses elsewhere but um, it's a shame because I really like Ramsey you know he's one of the players in the squad who makes an active you know attempt several times during a game to get behind the opposition defence and given that we play so much of our football faced with two banks of four you know, he's a really good tool to have. I mean, whether or not we'll miss him against Man City, I mean, I'd imagine so. I actually thought Wilshire did pretty well against Spurs in his place. But, um, I, and I can't see Wenger wanting to play Wilshire and Ramsey in the same side at the moment. He doesn't seem too keen on that. So we'll see. I mean, it's, you know, we can only wish him well and hope that he comes back to fitness. And I, you, you kind of look at his contract situation and think, as much as we need to get him to sign a new contract, you know, you can't rely on him. And that's a really sad state of affairs. Mm. I think that's a real consideration for, for Arsenal, particularly when you take into account the Jack Wilshire situation as well. Now, to his, to be fair to Wilshire, he has been pretty much fit all season. I mean, he's been available mm. pretty much all season. Um, but that was true of last season at Bournemouth as well, where he was available pretty much the whole season until he had that impact injury. I think it was a tackle with Harry Kane. He broke his leg, but he didn't suffer from the ankle problem. He didn't suffer from the muscular problems, which have kept him out in the past. Ramsey, on the other hand, can do a a hamstring or do a groin and miss three weeks. He can miss three games. He can miss three months. Um, And when you have two players like that in your squad, and when your squad space is limited, it does make the decision-making a little more difficult uh, because you're having to take into account, okay, well, we've got this player, we think he's good, he's really talented, but he's always always playing catch-up almost in terms of his fitness and in terms of his form. Uh, and the same with Wilshire if he takes an injury as well, Tim. It's, uh, it's something that they do have to consider when they, when they think about the future of the midfield. Yeah, and and also as well that they're both homegrown players. Mm. So that's a that's a pretty that's a that's a big consideration. I mean, it's not something we talk about as much anymore, um, but it does it does mean that they're kind of 
like their squad position is almost assured because they're because they're homegrown players and so they can they can get away with it a little bit more than than maybe a foreign player could get away with uh, considering uh, the squad size limitation. But um, yeah, I mean when when they're both on, they're both incredibly great players. I I I, I honestly think that that Ramsey is almost up at the level of somebody like Paul Pogba, different type of player different types of skill set. He's mm. not a dribbler like Pogba is, but he puts in all the kinds of work rate that you want from a center midfielder. And I know both of these guys get a lot of criticism for their play for their play, but they are fantastic players. And, you know, if Pogba's going for 80 million or 100 million, then, you know, you've got to think of Ramsey up there in the 65-75 million pound range. Yeah. So, would would we be foolish not to resign him even if he's only going to give us the equivalent of 25 games a season. Mm. I don't know. That's a, that's, I mean, that's not the kind of, I, I, I don't, I don't do those kinds of stats boss. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, look, the thing, the thing is as well is that, you know, he's going into the final year of his contract and we have one of those situations where yeah. if we don't sell him in the summer, if it's clear, he's not going to sign, you know, it's one of those where you have to make a decision in the summer. And this summer in particular is going to be a strange one because of the way the transfer market changes are coming in, that the uh, deals have to be done before the season starts. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really going to be a difficult one, I think, for them to, to make a decision on. And, of course, the final decision doesn't lie with them and them alone. There's Aaron Ramsey, who's got to decide what he wants to do if he wants to experience something different in his career, if he wants to play abroad, which some people are saying also. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. 
His, I mean, I think Wenger's spoken about it before, but his recovery runs. And the thing is, he's, he is liable to give the ball away, it feels like, when you're watching. I don't know whether Tim's stats back that up, but he always looks like he has a kind of the odd loose ball, but that's part of this sort of weirdly languid style he has. But then when he makes a mistake, you see him really run around. He's very good to nick the ball back. Um, I mean, I, I like him. I'm just, I'm, I'm still, I guess I need to see him play more games in midfield to, to really understand what his full repertoire of skills is in the, in that position. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not Coquelin in that he's not solely used to, to just break play up. He's not Xhaka because I've not seen him spray balls 30, 40 yards. Um, there was one over the top tonight for Mesut Ozil, which Ozil almost got on the end of. It didn't quite yeah. control it. So th- okay, a little yeah. bit of range. Maybe. I mean, this is it. I think I think I'm just sort of still getting used to to what he can do. I mean, I, I, there's one thing's very clear: Arsene Wenger trusts this guy and is desperate to give him as many opportunities to to make it as he can because he's treating him a bit like he did Awobi a couple of seasons ago. Whenever he can give him a bit of game time, he will. Um, and I think that's really interesting because there've been other kids who've come through who've had a bit of game time and then you never see him again. And this guy's getting all of the attention. So there's obviously something that Wenger sees there. Yeah, yeah, it looks so, like it. Well, let me just I, uh, just make a point, Tim, before you, you come in. Okay, I thought what was interesting about the way he played against um, Ostersund was that um, there were a couple of moments where he tried to use his physical strength to shield the ball in midfield and turn away and make space for himself, which I'd say he probably does or has done very well at youth level um, because he's a, he's a strong guy. You can see that. He's got real physicality. But tonight it didn't quite work. A couple of times he got knocked off the ball or they read what he was doing. Uh, one time he, he got back very quickly and, and won the ball back as they drove towards goal, which I think ties into what you were just saying there, Andrew, about the mm. way that he, he reacts and he's got that recovery pace, which I think Arsene Wenger has mentioned before. But I think he's got to have a few games in there in the centre of midfield to realise that he's going to have to be a bit smarter about how he uses his strength, that when you're up against big guys and when you're up against experienced guys in midfield, that they are going to be a bit more uh, demanding or a bit more demanding physically from you. So he's going to have to, he's going to, have to learn that. But I think, you know, he was, he was pretty tidy, um, maybe a little bit cautious, but you can understand that as well. And when you're playing alongside somebody like uh, El Neni, it's hard not for some of that caution to to rub off on you. I'd say, Tim, what were you gonna what were you gonna come in there? I was just gonna add um, that he did turn the ball over four times, so he had four, and that's a lot for a midfielder, for a center mid. His 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 um his partner there, El Neni, only had one. He was dispossessed four times. Maitland Niles was so that's that's kind of a problem. Um, he also tries so, but that's also something that happens with young players. <laughs> They, I think they tend to they tend to hold on to the ball a little bit too much, mm. and as they get older, I see this statistically from center mids. As they get older, they turn the ball over a lot less. So when you get up to be about 27, 28, you're then at your peak, and you're not turning the ball over as much. But when you're 20 years old and you're running, you know, basically running the midfield or or part of the midfield engine mm. at a big club like Arsenal, where you have a thousand passes, you know, in a game, in and and he's a big part of that. Um, that's uh, he's going to turn the ball over. And like you guys, I think you pointed out, it was was two times. I think he tried to shield somebody off the ball, and he was he was just beaten in that in that possession. So that that can be problematic. He also tries to dribble. He's so he's actually kind of this weird. What makes him so unusual is that he's kind of like a Jack Wilshire, kind of like 
a Coquelin kind of like all these players, but not completely like those players. Mm. So while he had four turnovers, he also had 18 ball recoveries. So he recovered wow. about 26% of Arsenal's ball recoveries were just him. So that's that that's that pace that you were talking about, that makeup pace. So he, of course, turns the ball over four times, but he recovers it 18 times. So a ball recovery and, is when the ball is is not necessarily winning the ball from another man or a tackle. It's when the ball correct. is loose and he gets on he gets to the ball before anyone else. Correct. But but El Nenny only had six of those. Right. So that, that that shows you like the difference between sort of his positional awareness and his um and and sort of that's it's it's considered an offensive stat but it's actually kind of both offensive and defensive because he's picking the ball up in his own half right and then he's moving the ball forward from there Mm. somehow he also only had i think only had four bad passes out of 90 passes 94 passes that's that's pretty incredible um so i mean he is a and of course most of those almost all of those were short passes like you pointed out i think he only had one long ball Mm. so so he is he is that really tidy player but i just want to say that i think he benefited greatly from having el nenny next to him today el nenny was amazing on the ball almost no turnover almost he made almost no bad passes in the day he um he he only had one turnover and El Nenny moves so much and runs so much and is so willing to present himself for the ball. He's not the greatest tackler. He's not going to win you the ball back a lot. Um, he's not the most physical player on the team. But that movement and his ability and, and the fact that he presents himself for the ball, mm. I think that I think that greatly helped Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And sure. we'll see whether or not Wenger wants to continue with that partnership in midfield. Yeah, I, I, find, I like El Nenny as a squad option. I think he's a decent player to have in your squad. I just wonder sometimes... If his natural caution hinders us in a way, um, and I don't have a problem with a player keeping the ball, and I think there's something important about a player who will show in midfield and move the ball on and keep things ticking over, but just sometimes you'd like him to be a little bit more adventurous. Uh, And maybe if he were to be a bit more adventurous and he gave the ball away and we get caught in the counter-attack, I'd go absolutely crazy, or that that would be the trade-off. Just There's just some times where I find his caution a little inhibiting, or if it if it has, if it has sort of spreads throughout the team to a certain extent, but that could be just me. Um, just to be completely accurate, mm. um, El, El Nenny had three bad passes out of 109, Whoa. and, Mains- and Ainsley Maitland-Niles had six out of 94. Okay. So that's... That's the complete. Sorry, I, I, I that had to be more accurate. Okay, there. no, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. We we we, we expect uh, absolute um, accuracy from our stats people around here, Tim. So that's fine. We're glad to give you the chance to to uh, to clarify that, Andrew. Three um, nil up going into the second leg at home against a team that. In fairness, uh, you would expect Arsenal to beat 99 times out of 100, or at least nine times out of 10. Let's do it that way. Next week, we play them on Thursday. There is the um, Carabao Cup final on Sunday against Manchester City. How much do you expect Arsene Wenger to rotate or use his squad to the fullest for this second leg? Um to be honest, I think he might not play Ozil, mm. but I I could I could easily see him playing most of the others. I mean, I expect probably Espina to play um, 
potentially he might give Holding a run out alongside um, Chambers and one other. Um, no, I, I think I think I mean Mkhitaryan made a comment after the game. He said, "Look, we we need to build confidence by winning games, and if you're going to go into a game against Manchester City, while well, you don't obviously want to risk injuries, you do want to try and build up some momentum. And momentum has been something we've been sorely lacking this season." I can't really remember the last time we won a couple of games on the try. It feels like we've just been so stop-start this season. Mm. And, you know, you wouldn't want to risk putting out such a weakened side that you were either lost on the night, just lost completely, or even had a bad performance that sort of sets the narrative for the couple of days prior to the, the cup final. So, yeah, I mean, look, this, this mix and match team has done well enough to get us this far, and I imagine he'll do much the same again. Mm, just uh, for for clarity, um, not to take your uh, uh, job away here, Tim, but the most games we've won consecutively this season in a row is four, and that was in September. Uh, going into October, we beat Doncaster, West Brom, Bate Borisov, and Brighton, and then uh, ruined that by losing to Watford. Uh, since then, we haven't won more than two games in a row consecutively. Uh, we've had uh... a- yeah, Are you sure. Because yeah. after the bright after the Watford match, we won against we Credenza, won Credenza. Yeah, Red Star Belgrade, Everton. and we beat Everton. Then we drew. Oh, Norwich. Oh, actually, then Norwich. Swansea. Yeah, sorry. Okay, Norwich is down as a draw here because we won in extra time. That's what that oh. is. So yeah, we won those four. Okay, okay. So we beat Swansea, but since then, since then, <laughs> we definitely haven't won more than two in a row. Burnley and Huddersfield, Newcastle and West Ham and recently Palace and Chelsea in the EFL Cup, and that's it. So, uh, yeah, momentum is is a fairly big thing. Would you be inclined to risk some of your big players? I mean, is that a reason perhaps to be a little disappointed um, why Arsenal didn't really go for it a bit more uh, uh, tonight and have a bigger margin of victory and uh, make that game even more safe at the Emirates next week? I thought I thought we were I thought we were fine. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with us only winning three nil. Um, you know, they, it's, it's interesting. It's a, I mean, it's super cold out there. There's a lot of players like, um, like Mikatarian who looks like he's trying to regain, regain some fitness. Um, definitely Welbeck is trying to regain fitness. Mm. So trying to put them, trying to make them do too much. I, I didn't have a problem with the, the, the way that we approach that game. And I won't, I don't think that I'll have a problem seeing, some rotation next week in the same, in the return match. And also, you know, like uh, Andrew said, Mkhitaryan should probably get a start. Uh, He definitely needs to keep going, keep getting some more games. He looks a little bit off after, even though he got an assist today. Um, And, you know, yeah. So I think it, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be good to have some rotation and win some games in a row, some, a couple games in a row before we go and face, um, face up man city man city in the cup final (laughs) i'm just looking forward to the i'm just looking forward to the plethora of defensive injuries which will force uh mertesacker back into the team for more cup final heroics against man city (laughs) that's that's certainly what's going to happen but look uh just one final thing i want to talk about uh today because it's a strange week because we don't have a game this weekend we don't have a game to look ahead to this weekend we've nothing to preview But, Andrew, I just want to talk about the story that emerged during the week. Uh, In all the newspapers at the exact same time, it appeared in the Mirror, the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail. It was probably in the Star and the Sun, but I don't... uh, 
I don't go that far down the the ladder into the into the murky world of of those tabloids. Um, but basically, the story was uh, from wherever it came from. I mean, who could know where it possibly could have come from? <clears throat> but it was like um, nothing is nothing is being ruled in or out uh, when it comes to Arsene Wenger. Although the club have got their succession plan in order. Um, what was the line from the Telegraph? Um, they do have a succession plan, should that be required? Although nothing has been ruled out, including Wenger staying for the final year of his contract or even extending his contract. I mean, <laughs> covering all the bases there. Um, look, I think it's clear that that story was leaked from uh, board level uh, via whatever um, medium or uh, manner it might have uh, reached them, whether it's the communications department or, you know, a handy round-robin email from whoever it might have been. But it wasn't the most uh, decisive message, was it? It was. It didn't really speak to, uh, you know, a board that's absolutely on top of things. It's kind of like, eh, we'll just see what happens and make it up. Well, I mean, it was like... It- <laughs> You know when you see a politician being asked a slightly awkward question and you watch them sort of slowly filibuster the situation by talking about every possible option which is open to them Mm. before not really ever actually kind of giving you an answer. That's kind of what Gazidis is very, very good at. He's kind of very good at making you feel like you've heard him say something interesting and important. And actually when you go back and read it, you realize it's mostly just like nothing um, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that this type of thing is happening. I feel like there's certain reporters now who have a very kind of clear and direct access to, to Gazidis, and they probably feel that after results go badly for Arsenal, that they're well entitled to start knocking on the door and asking for a, a statement. We're not the thing, you know, on our own website, but... You know, Gazidis obviously feels confident enough that he can get away with, you know, talking behind Arsene's back to a certain extent these days. Um, As for what it means, I mean, the club at the moment probably feels like it has to be able to dangle the idea that change is a possibility. Mm. Um, If only because the end of Arsene's tenure could be 18 months away at the most anyway. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's part and parcel of the game at the moment. Hmm. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on this one? Because Arsene Wenger, uh, I mean, he's he's not quite um, as surreptitious about the whole thing. What he does is he goes and speaks to uh, be in sport. Where he's he's so much more open with the interviews he does with being sport than he is with anybody in the in the English press, um, which is no bad thing because he sometimes says very interesting things in these interviews. Um, but but he spoke about uh, you know the usual line I've never walked out on a contract or never not completed my contract. You know that's my intention uh, to stay at Arsenal for the remainder of my contract at least. So. Um, I'm not saying we're 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 looking at warring factions or anything here, but um, with everything that's gone on with the new appointments, um, it does feel like the dynamic is slightly shifting. Uh, absolutely, I I've been, I think I've been pretty open about saying that I think that I thought that that, that their plan was to replace him this summer, but that it that they know better than to try to let him sit through another year of a lame duck contract so that he could what finish 10th that year or something like, cause you know, I mean, the, we saw exactly what happened when he sat in his last lame duck 
And he even admitted that that was dumb, that they, he shouldn't have done it. And so I, I'm a little bit this, – this, this really actually gets on my nerves quite a bit. So I'm going to try to calm down a little bit here. Mm. But it sounds to me a little bit like the club had a succession idea in, in mind and somehow it fell through. Do you and think, so now do you think they had a succession plan after the cup final against Chelsea? I think, I, no, I don't think that they're – you mean last year? Yeah. Mm. Or, or you mean that you think no. they had a succession plan now and somehow it's... I think that they've been building one this year. Right. So you, you see, I mean, you alluded to it, um, the, the players that have been purchased, the way that things are, are moving in the player, in that, the player purchase arena, in the, in the transfer arena, has mm. been completely different from the way we've ever done anything before. Um, and there's all kinds of in, indications that Ms. Lintad and these other people are, are involved in this in ways that we have never seen before. Of course, we have a sporting director who's not a sporting director. Um, and, and Wenger very publicly said last year that it, was, that it was foolish of them to go into the last year of his contract, that it definitely affected the way that the players played. And so the idea that they would allow that to happen again is, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of things from this club, but it just feels like that that would be the that that would be a, a, a bridge too far. So I have for a whole year maintained that I thought that this was Arsene Wenger's last, last year at Arsenal. Yeah. And um, so I, it sounds to me like they had somebody lined up and that that somehow fell through. And uh, I don't know who that was. I'm not, I'm not privy to those kinds of, that kind of information, but it does feel to me like, you know, I've heard a lot of names, but I, I, it does feel to me like something happened. Um, yeah. making them say, well, now all the options are back on the table. You know, they, that's what they, that's their default position whenever anything like this comes up. Yeah. I don't suppose that, you know, when the Europa League is still up for grabs and when there's a cup final to come, they, they can't be, they can't come out and say, well, yes, it's going to be his last year. And he can't come out and say, it's going to be my last year. I actually, that's one of the reasons why I think change should happen this summer because he can't go into that final year to have this are you staying what's happening when are you going to tell us do the players know all that kind of stuff which as you point out was a huge distraction uh, last season you you just can't do that again it would be absolutely crazy to repeat that mistake which is why I think um, maybe this season could be the time for him to say, actually, I'm going to go at the end of the season, depending you know, on, on the timing of it. It's possible that that could uh, consolidate the players for the final part of the season. You can't say going into a whole new season, yes, this is going to be my last year. I'm going to leave. We've got clarity on that situation because I think it just affects the players subconsciously or otherwise. I think they uh, at some point realize that they're playing for a man whose authority over them gets weaker and weaker and weaker uh, as every week of the season goes on, you know? Um, as professional as they are, I'm not saying they were down tools. I just think we've seen that dynamic, Andrew, play out at other clubs before, and it's not a healthy one. Yeah, I was at uh, Pe- Pellegrino at City, wasn't it? He yeah, was the one exactly, who announced yeah. that he was going to head off. And Yeah, I mean, it didn't it didn't do any good at all. I mean, I, I think so much depends on whether or not we make it into the Champions League next season because if we don't do it this year and then next year becomes all about is he, isn't he going to go and we end up cocking that up as well, three seasons in a row, suddenly it really starts to become an issue for the club. You know, you can just about afford, and I think the club always budgeted during those kind of early years of the Emirates to 
to, to, to try and get in the top four. But if you didn't, there might be a bit of leeway financially. I know there's so much money coming to the game and stuff, but mm. from a pedigree point of view, we just cannot afford not to be back in there. And I mean, you look at the, the way the English sides this season seem to be kind of showing the kind of form that suggests that one of them could actually win it. And, you know, we just, we just can't be left behind because they'll all be building confidence for the domestic season next season as well. And, oh, it, it'll be very frustrating. I mean, mm. I, I say that and at the same time when we fell out of it I wasn't overly fussed because it was what a competition that we kept entering that never actually we never actually looked like we were going to win mm. um, we'll see but I, I would be dead against letting us go into a final year with Wenger if we didn't know for sure that he was actually going to go yeah and yet, and yet at the same time knowing that he's going to go at the end of the season causes all sorts of problems you know I, I it's it's a real mess and it has been for a long time I mean this is you know, no other club does business like this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I unique. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, your point there about the Champions League and our, our general ennui when, when it came to the Champions League is, um, is part of the reason why things need to change. That's mm. an indication that something has to change. If you keep doing the same thing year in, year out, it's no wonder people get bored of, of uh, the Champions League. And that's an indication that after six goes, seven goes, when you get knocked out in the first knockout stage, that's another indication as to why things need to change. So we will wait and see. I think it's going to be one of those situations that's going to hang over the, the rest of this season anyway, particularly if our league form... Um, judders along like it has been but look gentlemen we're going to leave it there um don't forget you can check out tim's stuff on arsblog news the by the numbers pieces on arsblog news all the stats and his own blog 7amkickoff.com thanks very much tim thank you and uh, andrew you'll find him on arsblog news and on twitter at a allen sport thanks a million Thanks very much. Uh, Thank you, of course, for listening. Uh, There is no game this weekend, so there's nothing left for me to talk about other than to say thanks again. Don't forget to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. James and I will be here on Monday. We'll have an Arsecast Extra, and we'll talk to you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a public service announcement. In the same way that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is cup-tied for Europa League games, podcasts released during Europa League weeks are prevented by European law from having a vaguely amusing piece of whimsy after the final music. Instead, we bring you this reenactment of a key scene from Peaky Blinders. Good ice! Thank you. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.